Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today's episode comes to you with the welcome support of Malbian Greek, London's number one Greek delicatessen and supplier of premium Greek produce. Malbian Greek, together with some amazing artisan producers from all over Greece, brings to you the most unique, tasty and sun-drenched produce Greece has to offer. You'll find the most amazing organic oregano, sage, Greek mountain tea, thyme and of course saffron, the Greek gold. And of course, there are some amazing uh, Greek sausages from Crete with wild thyme or with cumin and some of the best extra virgin olive oil money can buy. Malbian Greek, the one-stop shop for your Greek fix. Listeners of the podcast can get a 15% discount if uh, you order online with the code DELICIOUS. And if you need to visit the shop, go to Art17 Apollo Business Park, Lucy Way, Bermondsey, London, SC16, 4ET. Hello, welcome back to another archaeogastronomical adventure with me, Thomas Dinas. And this is the Delicious Legacy Podcast. Do you remember, it's been around three years now, the start of um, the lockdowns and the pandemic and the uncertainty that all induced. Do you remember that um, all the supermarkets were ransacked in a way? And... Most uh, of them were very short of uh, supplies such as eggs, flour and toilet roll. You do, don't you? It was very crazy times. Even though in most uh, situations small greengrocers and um, butchers and the local shops had eggs and had um, flour, the big supermarket shelves were completely empty for weeks on end. But one thing was never amiss. Neither are the supermarkets, nor are the small shops. Onions. Even in that state of emergency, three years ago, there were still plenty of onions. And thank God, I say, because they are exactly what we needed and what we need today. Onions are a constant, a familiar, a recognizable and ordinary part of our lives, pre or post-pandemic. Every recipe almost universally, begins with finally chop an onion or a variation along those lines. Yet, when was the last time 
you really thought about one. Onions, dare I say it, have been slept upon, unappreciated even. The ancient people of Mesopotamia, the part of land between the rivers Tigris and Euphrates, in modern Iraq, Syria and southeastern Turkey, the ancient people of this place were people who knew how to appreciate an onion. They seemed obsessed with every member of the onion family. Onions, leeks, garlic, all have been identified on 5,000-year-old cuneiform texts. Cuneiform originated before 3000 BCE and, as far as we know, is the oldest form of writing in the world. The word itself, cuneiform, means wedge-shaped and refers to the shape made each time a scribe put the stylus to clay. The two main languages written in cuneiform are Sumerian and Akkadian. Anyway, from these writings, we deciphered that onions were supplied as rations to farmers and cooks along with beer, bread and oil. The basic stuff, really. The importance of onions at the time can be seen in many different ways. They were also issued for the king's meals, as certain kings complained about the lack of them in some royal correspondence, or were listed as food items, for example, as provisions for Ashurbanipal's feasts. In the texts, These were described as the pungent garden plants. Also importantly, aside from issues in royal correspondence, there were also remedies that cured a host of different illnesses in a variety of ways, either with indirect methods, uh, like exorcising the demon from the body. We're talking about 5,000 years ago, so the medical um, uh, science was uh, quite different from today. So, exercising the demon from the body. For example, the peeling of an onion and throwing one peel after the other into the fire to the accompaniment of incantations, emphasizing the hope that as one peel after the other is consumed in the fire and the onions will never take root or blossom again, so the demon might never reappear. Or, of course, direct methods as a drug for the sickness of the mouth, like an ulcer or a gum or toothache. Mixed with oil, this had to be placed on the spot that needs curing. Other medical advice from ancient Mesopotamia included for the sick in cases of indigestion, in which the stomach refuses to retain food. The patient is to abstain from onions and leeks. An onion is not expensive or seasonal. It cannot be claimed by one single culture. Turkish, French, Spanish, Greek, Indian, Chinese, Thai or Mexican cuisine all start with some sort of fried onion-garlic axis or a variation on the theme. All down-to-earth, cheap, humble, village cooking and recipes have onions. Some pulses perhaps, a handful of tomatoes even and rice. We not merely survived on onions, we've built civilizations gorging on them. From the workers at the pyramids in ancient Egypt who ate onions, radishes, bread and beer four and a half thousand years ago, to the Greek Olympians of classical Greece who ate onions in every guise and form for their health benefits. They consumed pounds and pounds of raw onions, drank onion juice and rubbed them on their bodies. They were perceived by the ancients as a miraculous bulb believed to be beneficial for lightening the balance of the blood. 
athletes and workers ate it frequently, in large amounts. In the time of Roman Empire, the author and naturalist Pliny the Elder believed that they healed sores, vision problems, toothaches and dysentery. The cultivated onion is employed for the cure of dimness of sight, the patient being made to smell at it till tears come into the eyes. It is still better even if the eyes are rubbed with a juice. It is said too that onions are soporific and that they are a cure for ulcerations of the mouth if chewed with bread. Fresh onions in vinegar, applied topically, or dried onions with wine and honey are good for the bites of dogs. Care being taken not to remove the bandage till the end of a couple of days. Applied too in the same way they are good for healing exorations. Roasted in hot ashes, many persons have applied them topically with barley meal for deflections of the eyes and ulcerations of the genitals. The juice too is employed as an ointment for sore eyes. And Pliny says on the varieties of onion. Garlic and onions are invoked by the Egyptians when taking an oath in the number of their deities. The Greeks have many varieties of the onion, the Sardian onion, the Samothrakian onion, the Alcidanian, the Setanian, the Schistan, the Ascalonian, so-called from Ascalon, a city in Judea. They have, all of them, a pungent smell, which draws tears from the eyes. Those of Cyprus, more particularly, and those of Cnidos, the least of all. In all of them, the body is composed of a cartilage of unctuous nature. The variety known as Setanian is the smallest of them, with the exception of the Tuscalan onion, but it is sweet to the taste. The Schistan and the Ascalonian are used for storing. The Schistan onion is left during the winter with the leaves on. In the spring, it is stripped of them, upon which offsets make their appearance at the same divisions as the leaves. It is to this circumstance that this variety owes its name, taking the hint from the fact it is recommended to strip the other kinds of their leaves to make the bulb all the better, instead of running to seed. The Ascalonian onion is of a peculiar nature, being barren in some measure in the root. Hence it is that the Greeks have recommended it to be reproduced from seed and not from roots. The transplanting too, they say, should be done later in the spring, at the time the plant germinates, the result being that it bulbs with all the greater rapidity and hastens, as it were, to make up for lost time. Great dispatch, however, is requisite in taking it up for when ripe it rots with the greatest rapidity. If propagated from roots, it throws a long stalk, running rapidly to seed, and dies. There are considerable differences too in the color of the onion. The whitest of all are those grown at Issus and Sardis. The onion too of Crete are held in high esteem, but there is some doubt whether they are not the same as the Ascalonian variety, for when grown from seed they produce a fine bulb, but when planted they throw out a long stalk and run to seed. In fact, they differ from Ascalonian only in the sweetness of their flavor. Among Rome, there are two principal varieties known of the onion, the scallion employed for seasonings, known to the Greeks by the name of Yithion, and by us as Palacana. It is sown in March, April and May. The other kind is the bulbed or headed onion. 
it is sown after autumnal equinox, or else after the west winds have begun to prevail. The varieties of this last kind ranged according to the relative degrees of pungency, and are the African onion, the Gallic, the Tuscalan, the Ascalonian, the Amiternian. The roundest in shape are the best. The red onion, too, is more pungent than the white, the stored than the fresh, the raw than the cooked, and the dried than the preserved. The onion of Amiternum is cultivated in cold, humid localities, and is the only one that is reproduced from heads, like garlic. The other kinds begin grow from seed. This last kind yields no seed in the ensuing summer, but a bulb only, which dries and keeps. But in the summer after, contrary is the case, for seed is produced, while the bulb very quickly spoils. Hence it is that every year there are two separate sowings, one of seed for the reproduction of bulbs and one of bulbs for the growth of seeds. This onion keeps best in chaff. The scallion has hardly any bulb at all, but a long neck only. Hence, it is nothing but leaf, and is often cut down like a leek. For this reason too, like the leek, it is grown from seed, and not from plants. In addition to these particulars, it is recommended that the ground intended for sowing onions should be turned up three times, care be taken to remove all roots and weeds, ten pounds of seed in the proper proportion for a new gerum. Savory too, they say, should be mixed with them, the onions being all the finer for it. The ground, too, should be stabbed and hawed four times at least, if not more often. In Italy, the Ascalonian onion is sown in the month of February. The seeds of the onion is gathered when it begins to turn black and before it becomes dry and shriveled. In order to firm up their muscles, Roman gladiators were up down with onion. Extreme measures, one might say. But wait until you hear about the ancient Egyptians again, who worshipped the onion bulb. They believed its concentric rings and spherical form are symbols of eternal life. They were even used as part of Egyptian burials and Ramesses IV found with traces of onions in his eye sockets. Why did onions went on to conquer the rest of the world? Perhaps because of their ease of cultivation, the plentiful supply and the long-lasting properties of the bulbs, which meant they could be transported far away or eaten when other crops weren't available or have failed. Of course, in ancient Mediterranean, onions were used mainly as food item and to satiate one's hunger. Peasants and farmers of ancient Greece, when working in the fields, ate a simple breakfast of barley bread, raw onions and wine mixed with water. Hard cheese, onions and garlic was the traditional soldier's fare. If we exempt peacock's brains and flamingos' tongues, the extravagant and extreme delicacies of the decadent ancient Roman aristocracy, the staples of ancient Greece and Rome were alliums and pulses. For example, lentils and chickpeas were an abundant, cheap source of calories for the common man. Even the politician Cicero, uh, his name alludes to the resemblance of his nose to a chickpea. Or so the legend goes. In reality, the truth has to do probably with the fact that... uh, his ancestors and his family owned large uh, farms with chickpeas. Anyway, to make these pulses more interesting, people used a lot of onions and garlic and salots and spring onions and leeks and so on. There's a recipe for an ancient Roman pottage of the 1st century CE. Guess where from? From the Book of Apicius, of course, which is named uh, Conchincla, which means uh, 
something like boiled bean, which instructs the reader to take a clay pot, some beans or some peas, chopped sausages, pork forcemeat and a pork shoulder, dried onion, dill, oregano, lavage, fish sauce, wine and black pepper, and cook it over a gentle fire so that it comes to the heat and serve. A dish that Romans of all social strata ate, a dinner for laborers, slaves, or one of the many small dishes of a feast for the aristocracy. A stew of boiled beans with pork and onion that is not so alien to the modern cook as well, resembling some sort of a cassoulet or a bean stew from Italy or Spain. A more extravagant dish is an oven-roasted salted piglet with onions. Some garum, some wine, some passum are added afterwards as a sauce or a dressing. Simple yet luxurious, the onions and the sauce together complement the pork perfectly. Hello there, sorry to interrupt. My name's Dr Neil Buttery and I'm host of the British Food History Podcast, a podcast that you, as a fan of the delicious legacy, might be interested in. I explore British food and its history in all its glory, with interviews with special guests, recipes, reenactments, and tracking down forgotten recipes and hyper-regional specialities. Previous topics include medieval eels, 18th century dining, curry, London street food sellers, breakfast, and the good old Yorkshire pudding. Search for the British Food History Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to the delicious legacy. Cheers. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You see, the humble onion is so versatile. It is the base on which the tastiest of the recipes are built upon from intense and spicy raw onion to a savoury one in stews. 
all the way to caramelized ones that can bring the best out of spicy food or pecan cheese. Onions have the capacity to transform mild and neutral dishes to a flavorful kitchen creation. Really slow cooked onions is the base for the mother of all onion dishes, the French onion soup. Or a great dish from uh, the Manin Peninsula in southern Greece in Peloponnese, near Sparta, which is not celebrated enough in my opinion, is a chicken cooked with onions so slowly that they disintegrate in their own juices. Then, when the chicken is done, crumbled feta cheese is added. And that's it. That's all. The end result is a dish with an extremely complex taste profile. Onions are also the base for the best pizza in the world, pizza ladier. Onions are also great pickled, part of the classic liver and onion dish, and of course they're equal to the meat in a glorious Greek dish called stifado, a rich rabbit stew with whole small onions, tomato sauce, olive oil, wine and spices. Lord, praise the onion. Is there anything that compares to the smell of finely chopped, sautéed onions in butter or oil emanating from the kitchen? Slowly spreading to the rest of the house, enough to remind you that you're actually hungry. The whiff tingling your nostrils and lifting you up, floating almost in a Looney Tunes cartoon style, in a way that takes you to the kitchen to satisfy your curiosity of what's for dinner. Well, at least that's what's happening with me when I was a child. In a way, it's the smell of childhood. I don't know about you, but uh, it does form part of my memory cache of things that uh, make childhood always seem so idyllic. It's the sort of nostalgic, sweet memory that lingers for years and years after you moved out of your parents' house, and it's the echo of returning home from school and catching the initial stage of mum's cooking, impatient for dinner as ever. What are we cooking? What's for dinner? And you get the smell of the onions, this sweet and moory smell. Isn't it this a scent that hugs you like a warm blanket in a cold winter night? It must have happened to you too. You are walking down the street on a warm spring and perhaps even sunny day. Not that this exists yet in London, but we hope. It's late in the afternoon and you're on your way home. And just around the corner, it hits you. It's the smell, that familiar smell, of your mother's or grandmother's kitchen. It's the smell of onions that's extremely comforting, familiar, and yes, everyone can achieve that in their own kitchen. Just finally chop an onion and fry it slowly, sauté it in butter or oil. But somehow, this particular smell, when you're walking down the street, in some corner of your neighborhood, on that very afternoon, it hits your nose and it makes you hungry. It makes you think of home. Where do you start when you make a bolognese-style sauce? Frying an onion. A risotto? Sauté salo. A soup? Onion. A stew? Onion. You also have them pickled. You also have them caramelized. I mean, there aren't enough words that can describe adequately the usefulness and beauty of this unassertive ingredient. The onion is very rich in vitamin C, mineral salts, sulfur and other trace elements. Folklore knowledge of its beneficial effects was understood as early as the building of pyramids and made it part of the basic rations, as we said, of workers through the ages. And sailors, as well, up to the last century. It helped prevent scurvy during long voyages without fresh foods. Army quartermasters valued it for the same reasons. It was an essential part of the diet 
of the ancient Greek and Phoenicians who were great sailors themselves. Obviously notorious for inducing tears, the onion has the power and had the power to make people weep even by its absence. It is also supposed to be a meteorological vegetable. The thickness of its skin is said to forecast the weather of the coming winter. A French proverb says, when the onion has three skins, winter will be very cold. It has been widely used over the centuries as both a vegetable and a seasoning. As we've seen, the Romans were passionately fond of the onions. Pliny as well listed all the different varieties and their provenances, providing a remarkable catalogue of flavours. Onions were pickled in honey and vinegar. One of its virtues was to stimulate thirst so that the Romans ate it throughout the meal. Later, the Franks adopted the same custom and they are said to have eaten onions as avidly as they drained tankards of beer. The Allium genus includes onions and leeks, as well as shallots and garlic and so on. Garlic is thought to come from the desert of Kyrgyz in Central Asia. A remarkably rich and ancient body of folklore surrounds it all over the world, just as its own odor surrounds the garlic eater. This is largely due to the antiseptic and stimulating qualities. Despite its well-attested virtues, garlic also has its enemies. <laughs> as we know, a number of people dislike it. The priestesses of Sibeli forbade entrance to their temple in Rome to anyone who had just been eating garlic, perhaps for some magical reasons, but also maybe because of the breath. We will never know. The Byzantines used it lavishly in their cooking and would even eat it on its own when it was young and tender, roasted in the oven and then crushed with olive oil and salt. A delicious dish, which turns up again in modern Spain. The Byzantine version of Aeoli Scordaton was enjoyed by all classes of the Byzantine society. Back to our onions now. There's a text and a recipe for this humble bulb that implies more romantic endeavors that perhaps are associated with other sexual food items. Yet for ancient Romans, it seemed that uh, those who seek the harbor of Venus, as so poetically Apicius put it, should cook them in water and they can be served at dinner when a marriage takes place. But they can also be served with pine nuts or with the juice of rocket and pepper. Boil the bulbs and press them into a porridge pan. Put in thyme, oregano, honey, vinegar, defrutum, dates, liquamen and a little oil. Sprinkle with pepper and serve. So my modern version of this is uh, in an ovenproof dish, put peeled whole shallots and small red onions. Sprinkle with little salt and olive oil, then place the dish in a preheated oven at 100 degrees Celsius. Roast for 10 minutes, and while this is happening, in a small saucepan, pour a spoonful of honey, two tablespoons of red wine vinegar, and a handful of chopped dates, a tablespoon of fish sauce, some sweet red wine or port, a little oil, chopped fresh thyme and fresh oregano. Mix, bring to the boil and let it reduce a little. Sprinkle with black pepper and pour all over the onions in the oven. Let it roast for about 30 minutes and get it all sticky and the onions have almost some bent edges and nice brown color on top. The dressing, it is now reduced into a syrup-like substance. Serve with your favorite style burgers or some kebab or some roast pork. The onion soup or saint soup, ayozumin, is mentioned in the Byzantine sources. Of all the well-known soups, the most common and the best known, at least in monastic communities, were those prepared using onions and savory. These soups were commonplace in monasteries 
as Magiria Ayozumion, soup of the Holy Fathers. The recipe for Ayozumin is as follows. A lot of whole or chopped onions were stewed in water containing aromatic herbs such as savory and oil. We even know how it was served. Once the onions had been boiled and reduced to a pulp, the soup is poured over slices of dried bread, perhaps like the modern paximadia or barley rusks, which have been placed in a deep plate or cup until they are completely covered. Gratonea is a fried dish that appears in many medieval cookbooks. They all seem to have chicken or capon meat, egg yolks, and of course verjuice or milk, and onions. So chicken with verjuice. Cut up your chickens, fry them with pork fat and with onions, and while they're frying, add a little water so that they cook nicely in the pan. And then stir often with a large spoon. Add spices, saffron and sour grape juice, and boil. And for each chicken, take four egg yolks, mix them with verjuice and boil this separately. And beat everything together in the pan and boil everything together with a piece of chicken. And when it boils, remove it from the fire and eat it. Medieval Arab physicians, on the other hand, such as the, the physician Hali Abbas, classified different uh, foods as pure foods. And obviously, people needed to eat uh, certain foods for nourishing and to overcome illnesses. So foodstuffs uh, with high degrees of intensity, as they were classified, such as onions and garlic, were largely excluded, which is uh, different, obviously, from what uh, we've seen from ancient um, Egyptians, Mesopotamians, Greeks, and so on. Also, in medieval times, for those who could not afford the luxury of expensive spices, garden herbs and bulbs uh, were a way to add flavor to the dishes. So leeks, onion, and garlic were popular all over Europe and were often associated with uh, the lower classes. Due to no small part of its odor, garlic especially was considered a peasant food. Sometimes as much as the taste, it was the appearance of the dish that mattered. Color and shape were important factors for cooks to consider, especially when they prepared you know, the myriad dishes that made up the medieval uh, banquet. So yeah, this kind of um, attribution of uh, garlic and onions with peasant food and lower classes can be traced back to medieval time and I think I find it, it happens quite often nowadays with well with people from our grandparents' generation mostly. They consider the smell, if the dish has an excessive smell of, of that garlic, let's say, it feels like it's it's not fit for uh, for us refined uh, modern people. Which is of course nonsense. Uh, garlic and onion and leeks they're delicious and, and they have so many different uses and so many ways and aromas and complex flavor and health benefits even and I'll finish from my Patreon backers with two recipes with onions one is chicken smothered with onions and feta from the Barduno Horia in uh, southern Greece in Peloponnese near Githion in the mountain villages where for many years uh they were home to Muslim Albanians. Get yourself uh, a heavy saucepan that goes in the oven as well. And and this is it. This is my short elegy for the humble onion and all the alliums. My name is Tom Dinas, and this was the Delicious Legacy Podcast. Hope I see you soon. Remember, you can find the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Acast, Amazon, and wherever else you get uh, your podcasts from. Sign, subscribe, and review the podcast. And if you liked it, 
please share it with uh, your friends and family. Remember, if you want the podcast ad-free earlier and with extra content, to subscribe on my Patreon for $3 a month. Have a good weekend. See you soon. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.